0: This week's episode is sponsored by Castos. Castos is a podcast hosting platform that helps you grow your audience through public podcasts and offer exclusive content through private ones. The WP Mir podcast is actually hosted on Castos, and the whole process has been great from the very start. Check them out at Custos.com. Hi, this is Gabby Galea, and welcome to the WP Mir podcast. In this episode, we'll be speaking to Christian Reiber, the CEO of WP Chill. This company is behind many plugins, including Download Monitor, Strong Testimonials, and perhaps one of the most well-known image gallery plugins, Modula. In this episode, I'll be joined by my co-host, Mark Zara, CEO of RebelCode, the company behind WP Join us to learn more about what goes into the process of acquiring, starting, and maintaining a WordPress plugin. Hi, Christian. Welcome to the WP Mayer podcast. It's nice to have you on.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm super (laughs) excited. This is actually my second podcast. The first one was with Chris Badgett from Lipset LMS. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. And yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Uh, so today we're joined by Mark Zara, who's the CEO of RebelCode. And RebelCode um, incorporates WPMare, WPRS Aggregator, and also Spotlight. So Mark has a background in developing plugins, which you have as well. So yeah, I think we can sort of discuss the, um, the process behind plugin development, acquiring plugins, and all that. So I started off by reading your 2020 year in review on your website, and uh, you emphasize that you want to sort of um, speak about your mission more this year. So just to start off, maybe you can tell us who you are, what you do, and why you do what you do.
1: Sure. So my name is Christian. Um, I'm the guy behind WPChill.com. So that's our uh much our umbrella corporation website where we have where every uh, one of our products lives under um we are the people behind plugins such as modular image gallery strong testimonials and more recently download monitor um we've started with i personally started with wordpress i think 10 years ago we started off with themes Five years ago, I think we entered the theme market space, and it was right about the time when Zerif Lite was making huge waves in the industry and was kind of changing uh, the rules of how themes were being displayed on the, the theme repository, and we, ha- we built a competing product. This competing product was gaining huge popularity. We ended up hiring a bunch of people to work with us because we were growing so fast and in about three months time or four months time, the themes team changed the way the algorithm works and ranks themes at the top. And we went from here in terms of revenue to way down here overnight. It was super painful and super unexpected, basically the way they've changed the algorithm if you were not present on the market at that point. It was favoring more older themes who had active installs, which we didn't have because our theme was barely 5 months old, even though it was making a ton of money at the time. And I think we, we had to go back to what we were used to doing, which was agency work, and we had done that previously for 5 years, so that's, that's a total of uh, 10 years I mentioned. And we did that for about two or three years just to survive, just to be able to keep our employees and not have to fire anyone. We're not making any profit. And I think at some point we were making a very small profit, a monthly profit. And we saved up all that money to acquire our first plugin, which is Modula. I remember to this day, we saved up our money for one year and we bought Modula for close to 10K which seemed at that time like an insanely huge amount of money, a huge pile of cash. You just imagine having those bills in a suitcase, handing it over. And it was making about three or 400 bucks a month. And I, I think I, I acquired that plugin and just kept it there for an, what, a year and a half because I literally didn't know what to do with it. We were, All of our experience, all of our background was in themes. And... This sudden change into the plugins markets market space, which was led not only by the, the um, algorithm change on the theme story theme, but also by the fact that it was this constant race to the to the bottom, right? Everyone was fighting to give the lowest possible price with the most features. It's impossible to compete. I mean, we're from Romania, right, which is not a doesn't have living expenses as high as the US. But it doesn't have living expenses as low as other countries in the world who can get by with, uh, I don't know, way less than we do here, right? So it it was impossible to compete on that level. More features, less money. It was impossible for us, right? So that's when I decided, okay, we're going to switch plugins. Took us a year and a half to actually figure out what we want to do with modular. And yeah, I think. It happened almost two and a half years ago when we actually started going full into plugins. And in that time we've acquired so many more plugins. We've we've built modular from four thousand active users to close to one hundred thousand right now. Uh, strong testing ones as well as the leading plugin on on the wordpress repository we've recently acquired downward monitor but this isn't this hasn't been announced yet so it's been a biggest acquisition so far and i'm super excited about what the future holds for this plugin Uh, we've acquired a bunch of other small plugins now that now that i think of it it looks like we haven't built any of our plugins we've just (laughs) been acquiring plugins left and right yeah
0: i was gonna ask Uh, you that (laughs) yeah
1: yeah i think I think there's there's a point, especially when you have a team, and you're paying salaries, right? You're paying development. You have a decent develop, decent size development team, like four or five people, paying all salaries for five 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 people for two months, let's say, to develop a brand new plugin, is pretty much close to acquiring a plugin in terms of financial value so it it simply doesn't make sense to me at this point to build it from the ground up when i could acquire it for the same amount and just start using those um, initial blocks that the original developer built and start adding on top of it so this is what we do this is this is i haven't talked actually about why we're doing this so (laughs) yeah most most companies are driven by the by the ceo's mission and values right and this is this is true in most cases 99 of the cases it's the ceo who if you get to know the ceo you basically know where they're, where they're going so i have i have a i like building products that help people that solve a need that solve a problem so this is why we do what we do i take great pleasure from receiving uh, great reviews. Or people seeing and going, seeing our products and going, oh my God, this fixes my problem exactly. No one else does this. I love this. And that 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 is sort of a uh, encouragement to continue doing this. This is what I love to do. This is what I want to continue doing for the future going forward, right? I want to keep doing this for as long as possible. It's the learning journey. It's the experimentation journey because you get to experiment with a lot of stuff. You have all these crazy ideas. The pilots team have ideas as well. We try and implement those. We do eB tests. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's way more fun than having a job, right?
0: Yeah. I've recently come into the WordPress community and it's nice to see how everyone has this sort of mentality of wanting to help everyone. everyone yeah. So yeah. it's nice to see.
1: I think it's, it's a requirement to actually be able to succeed in the WordPress space. If you're just about business, you're... Pretty much going to get singled out in a corner and everyone's going well they have a decent product but they don't care about your users right and you see this usually with uh reviews with the review system on wordpress.org
2: it's, it's good to hear you say this because um it's pretty much how we how we work as well and how we structure everything we focus on essentially especially putting a focus on collaborate collaboration side and the partnership side and the fact that you're on the score with us today sort of giving us an insight into your company your products and the way you run things it's exactly i think what the wordpress community is about where it's not every business for themselves every company for themselves or every individual for themselves Uh, everyone collaborates partners together and we're seeing it a lot from the acquisitions that are happening pretty much on a weekly basis right
1: now yeah yeah the i think the acquisition space right now is super hot i mean a lot of old shops for example we've recently last night i think iconic wp got acquired and i was surprised to see they've been on the market for i think nine years now or eight years can't remember exactly but it was somewhere in that time range wow can't believe he hold on held on to all these products for nine years and he's pretty much been a super small team that develops this i've talked to james in the past he's great and it makes sense right because going forward we see a lot of hosting companies moving into this space as WordPress matures and reaches even more websites in terms of percentage right right now it's about 42% close to 42% of all websites on the internet uh, we're gonna start seeing bigger and bigger players stepping into this space because right now as Matt put it in one of his videos WordPress is the operating system of the web and that makes a makes sense right when you look at it this way there's, there's so much more money to be made in this space than we realize and people with bigger teams uh bigger financial interests are stepping into this space we're i think we're somewhat lucky that companies such as liquid web are acquiring most plugins because they have they have a sense of community and have been involved in the community for a very long time and for example a guy who's leading not leading the guy who's leading the acquisitions actually, Chris Lemma. He's been in this space for 25 years. He's one of the most well-known and respected guys in the space. And one of the thing one of the reasons why I think people are selling to him is because he's been so active in the space. He's been all honest, all open about what he does, what he thinks, how he wants to help other people, right? And without aligning yourself with WordPress core values, I don't think there's a way to succeed in the space. If you're not genuinely Aligned with these values, you're not going to get anywhere with this. If you're just into make some quick money,
2: you can make some quick money in the short term, but there's no long term play unless you're you're involved.
1: Yeah, your business going to be destroyed by someone else who has. A better alliance system value with WordPresses and it's going to step in and offer what the users want. We see this all the time. So, for example, one space where I've seen this happen and is notoriously happening is the speed optimization space. You constantly see new players entering that space offering uh, solutions that were once paid only solutions. For example, image optimization. We now have a handful of image optimization solutions that are absolutely free. In the in the past, users were were paying by the image or by the um, size of the image to get it optimized. Now it's free, and we're seeing a lot of this movement where people are figuring out ways to add this for free and upsell maybe a service. Yeah, so uh, in a way, it's interesting what's happening with it. Also, opening a a lot of new opportunities. So, For example, you you guys, I think Mark actually, runs Spotlight WP, right? Which is uh, sort of Instagram for WordPress. Could you fill this yeah, in for me just to make sure I get it right?
2: Yeah, it's, it's an Instagram feed plugin so you can embed your, your Instagram feed on your website. You can put tagged posts, uh, put hashtag feeds. So any images for a particular hashtag on Instagram. Uh, yeah, and we're expanding it further now with... For example, having to use a Lincoln bio solution instead of the likes of linkin.bio or, or Link3.
1: Oh, similar to Link3, yeah.
2: Yeah. So it, it's, it's expanding a bit. And I think similar to what you are saying, sort of, there's a lot of competition out there now with free plugins. So if, especially if you use the freemium model as, as we do, just offering basic options will not work. So you need to go above and beyond that. I think we're, we're seeing that a lot in the, in the WordPress space where it's no longer enough to just. Have a basic solution or something which everyone else has done you need to differentiate yourself somehow for example i was looking at Modilla uh, recently and i noticed something i hadn't seen before i hadn't used it in a while where you can resize the images in the gallery sort of put them stretch them out onto a grid which is really interesting something i hadn't seen before but it's really cool because you can create your own custom layout entirely
1: yeah it's a cool feature it's one of those features that pretty much came out of user feedback uh, it's funny how user feedback actually works, right? Because users users don't really tell you what they want. They tell you the problem, and they tell you how they want to fix it themselves. And it's sometimes it's 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 a gold nugget, right? Because they tell you potentially an exact solution. But other times they tell, well, I went into this, and I clicked on this, and then I wanted to do this and this and this, and it has to work with this. And that's not actually the problem they're describing their process, but they're not describing the actual problem. So a few years ago, some a user uh, reached out to us or on our support and said something along the lines of, well, I have these pictures and I shot them in landscape and portrait because I think this uh, showcases in, a, in the best way, the subject, what I'm actually shooting, right? And i wanted to display them in a gallery side by side but every algorithm out there uses a masonry layout which basically crops down the image to one one size and then shows them next to each other and i started looking into this and started thinking about how we could we could fix this i i was sure this is a problem for photographers and that's how we kind of invented the custom grid algorithm which is super loved by most of our users now don't get me wrong we were super naive into thinking that well we're going to release this and it's going to be adopted and it's going to be we're going to get famous for this and the users are going to love it they do love it but you can't imagine how many problems it has created by being first in the space with a solution like this You have to fix. You 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 basically invent the wheel, and then you have to figure out how to fix it yourself. And whoever says, whoever thinks, actually, displaying images on a website is easy. I haven't ever dealt with images. It's it's images on the web are probably one of the hardest things to get right. You have. Well, you have resizing on various mobile breakpoints, you have an image optimization, which, by the way, is something we offer on, our, on, our, on all of our paid plans to so anyone who uses modular uh, with one click toggle. So basically, it's just an opt-in option you turn it on and we're getting ready to turn this on by default it gets it all of. The images inside the modular gallery optimized through Short Pixels API and then pushed to a CDN, and basically in one click you get image optimization plus sometimes CDN uh, for all your galleries. So it's instant speed up, and we went with this route because we could tweak Short Pixels API to make it the best we could for all of our grid solutions, especially custom grid, and users get as uh, lightweight images because photographers never upload small images photographers want to upload almost raw images we constantly see people uploading 20 megabyte images and having like a gallery of 300 images and saying well my gallery is loading slow come on you're loading almost six gigs of images what did you expect i mean we did something cool and magical but it's beyond our powers right now
2: i think that that ties in with what you said earlier that users will come to you with a problem, like you're saying here, where the images are too large, or too, but actually they're loading too slow. It still has to figure out why, what their intention is, how you can solve that. And you have to read between the lines. So it's a, it's an interesting position to be in. And I think it's it's quite uh, fun for us as, as the sort of product owners and figuring these things out and having to analyze all the user feedback and prioritize different areas.
1: Yeah, it's like uh, a bit of a detective work, right? You have to figure out what exactly they wanted to achieve with this. And for anyone listening to this podcast and who's, who, who might just be starting off with uh, building WordPress solutions, plugins or themes, it doesn't really matter figure out a way to de-anonymize your users first. So you could have an email opt-in in exchange for getting started quick, gets, getting started guide, or anything that allows you to figure out who your users are and then ask as much as possible for feedback because they'll tell you. Most of the times they'll tell you what they would like the product to do on top of what it already does. So that's, that's not always beneficial. But if you have a clear vision for your product and the market you you want to serve, right, uh, then it's easy to see how new solutions might open up new markets for your product.
2: Definitely. And even potentially new products as well to spin out. Yeah,
1: yeah, to spin out, yeah potential products. Yeah, of course. So I think Mark touched a bit on this previously about the freemium model. I do have a question for you guys. What do you think about the freemium model? Where do you see it going?
2: It's a good question. Um, so in our case, we chose that model because we were going into a sort of a crowded niche with the Instagram plugin. Uh, and we knew that if we go premium only, it's going to take significantly longer to, to gain that initial traction. And we would need to offer something special from the start. Whereas for us, going into sort of a gallery plugin in a way, like you said, like with Modelo, it, it is tricky and it takes some time to figure things out and to, Understand the users a bit better and so on. No matter how much research you do beforehand, so the freemium model for us was sort of the obvious choice at that point. If we, in, in building up our user base through WordPress.org, having more feedback come in in the early stages within the first year. We're about to be one year in now. And it's given us a lot of feedback. So I think there's a lot of merit to it. There's a lot of power to that model. It is trickier because you are you have to be able to support. That, that free user base. So if you're in a position where you're starting a new business, a new product, and you don't have something to back you up financially, it's probably difficult to get through that model because you're going to need something on the side to sustain you. But if you're able to support it, I definitely believe in the model. I, I, I see it sticking around for quite a while. Yeah. And it, it it can really work if you if you use it the right way.
1: So you're pretty much using the freemium model. So not, not exactly the freemium model, but WordPress.org has a distribution channel, right? Because you want as much feedback as possible, as quickly as possible, and you figured a way to get it from that free user base of so people who are basically searching on WordPress.org for a particular plugin, right? That's exactly. interesting.
2: SEO-wise, you're always going to struggle early on. So you're, so you're still new till you get listed in, in different blogs, till you get different collaborations going. It's going to take a while. So that's the freemium model. As long as you give importance to that free version and you optimize your readme and these kinds of things and you work on the reviews, as you mentioned, those will get you ranking higher and higher. This is where I mentioned plugin rank, which has been a great tool for us to, to analyze uh, our readme, to analyze the keywords we're, we're optimizing for and so on. Uh, and freemius has been a great platform for us as well to collect user feedback and get those email addresses as soon as uh, people start using the plugin. So a lot of people are actually opting in. And then we have a, an email sequence that goes out to the new users, sort of introducing the plugin, introducing the pro version, and then using different channels to try to get them to pro.
1: Uh, so now you've opened up two more questions that I have. One, can I ping you about plugin rank and help me understand? So I I've tried it in the past and I couldn't make much use, uh, not much use. I know the tool's awesome. I know Ian, he's great. The tool's amazing. I just couldn't make sense of it. I, I personally couldn't figure out how to improve that and how to make sure we rank number one we we seem to already ranking mostly number one for most stuff and i come from an seo background right and what i figured is you'd you'd mostly want to rank number one for tag pages that already are receiving traffic from google because searches internally on wordpress.org is not that high the number of which was being thrown around when the uh, plugin repo went through its redesign three or four years ago, can't even remember exactly. It was like it gets half a million searches a month. But when you start dividing that by the number of active plugins, which is close to now, you can imagine that, well, you're getting less than 100 searches per month per plugin, right? And obviously, the bigger players at the top, bigger spaces like SEO, is gonna get most of the searches, right? So how many searches can you assume you're getting for uh, something as an image gallery plugin, right? This is why I want to cross-reference any idea you might have with what I've tried in the past and see if we're both uh, doing the same thing. And another thing I wanted to ask, since you touched on this, is premium, Sorry, Freemius. And um, how exactly has Freemius helped your business? We acquired two plugins that are on Freemius and let's just say i'm not the biggest fan of the platform
2: all right so yeah with regards to plugin rank i can definitely follow up after the podcast and, and discuss a few things and i'd love to actually have ian on um, so I'll, I'll, just, I'll reach out to him and we can discuss a bit more I about was, how
1: i was just talking to him actually about having uh, having me as a guest on one of his podcasts as well so
2: yeah that'd all right be, that'd be awesome yeah we'll, we'll get him on as well and then discuss a few things of how plugin rank can, can, help, can... help you rank higher, and even grow your business. Uh, With regards to Freemius, we've used EDD for a number of years now for the RSS aggregator plugin, and that's performed well for us, but there is a lot more involvement and a lot more manual work involved in it from from different perspectives. For Spotlight, for us, the choice came down to, we want as simple uh, a setup process as possible, and we want as little involvement as possible in the management of, of billing, taxes, and so on. So Freemius came into play there. We had looked at other solutions, uh, even SaaS solutions, but there was a lot of manual work to be done, developing the integration, integrating licensing, and so on. Premius gave us everything in-house. It's not the perfect solution. There are things which still need to be improved, and that's have discussed them with, with Volvo, and we continue to bring up things here and there.
1: Uh, we're all in software development, so we know there's no perfect software at any point in time, right? It's, it's a con- con- constant work in progress. My question was actually aimed at the data Freemius provides and how you're using that to act on it. We kind of built our own tracking system, which is sort of entirely different from what Freemius is doing. We get the same data as Freemius, but even more. So for example, what what was most interesting to me to see with Modula was per site. Active gallery settings, number of galleries, number of images per gallery, average width of images per gallery, right? Settings they've tweaked, how long it took them to tweak between settings. These are out um, updating in our database. So basically, if today you had a bunch of settings, tomorrow you have another, another type of setting, we're, we're going to be able to map a history and see how the user went through a bunch of changes and what he landed on. So this is more useful to me, at least in my opinion. This is more useful because you actually get to see how people are using our product, using your product, right? Because we have a huge disadvantage over SaaS solutions. With a SaaS solution, you have a bird's eye view of what your users are doing, where they're doing, and you can quickly roll out improvements based on any type of feedback. Basically, you can use heat map. You can use a lot of things. A good point. Yeah. Yeah. But with WordPress, we don't have that. This, that's that's not and it's impossible to build the best possible solution in the market space without figuring out what exactly you're doing right what exactly you're doing wrong this is where SaaSes have a huge advantage over us right and in a user's Decision process. He doesn't look at WordPress solutions as well. This is something else entirely, and this SaaS is something else entirely. In its mind, it's well. I have to pick between these solutions. Doesn't matter. It's, it's a WordPress. It's a platform. To them, it's a solution to their problem. And in the end, they're going to compare on both pricing, user experience, features, right? And when you're on parity, let's say with features, right? You're it's super hard to be on parity with a SaaS platform solution, and. You're on, on parity with pricing as well. If you align your pricing, it's, the decision comes to how easy it is for me to use this. And SaaS, this big SaaS usually, will beat us out in this corner every single day because they have this huge advantage. They constantly run tests they can improve on. We don't have that luxury, right? And this is, this is why I started looking more into uh this kind of data we're probably going to be open sourcing most of our findings and so expect a 2021 report at the end of the year which will be more feature rich yeah I write those and it takes me so long to to get those out because I start off with two basic ideas and then I get into it and at the end I have something like 25,000 words and I okay this is too long I need to break this break this up but anytime i break it up it feels like i have to have even more articles because i need to explain everything that's going on in my head so yeah
2: yeah so so freemius is lacking in that in that respect Uh, i don't know if freemius specifically can help in that respect because every plugin is going to be different you're mentioning the the data you're collecting as very specific to to your your plugin i really want to learn more about that and how what what data you're collecting and how you're analyzing it
1: Anonymous, by the way, so I'm a super big fan of Anonymous data collection. We don't collect email addresses. We don't even collect email addresses, right?
2: That's the thing. When you're going into this kind of usability, the user gets somewhat defensive and they have every right to, that you're not analyzing every single thing the individual is doing. So yeah, anonymizing it's obviously very important. We don't do that enough right now. I admit with Spotlight, it's a little bit early on, but I would love to actually implement something like that. Because, as you said, you are competing with solutions like SaaS, which have a lot of this data somewhat sort of by default when you're using one of these SaaS services.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not something you can opt out of. So you can't say, well, I want to use your platform, but I want to opt out of track. That's, that's, that's impossible. It doesn't, it's not even advertised as you're being tracked, but you know yep. you are.
0: Yeah. What sort of data do you gather? Do you manage to gather?
1: Uh, You're asking me right now what kind of data I've managed to gather so far, right? Yeah. Um, So right now, for example, what was most surprising was we have in Modula, so I'm going to keep using this as an example because it's basically the one we've started with talking about and just using this for uh, consistency. For example, we added a new grid type, I think about let's say half a year ago, it's it's the youngest type of grid, right? But what we found is that about 30% of the people who accepted our tracking are actually using this grid. So it's surprising to see that, for example, the custom grid, which we thought was our killer feature, is actually being used less than the new grid type we entered, which is the masonry grid. It was something super interesting to see. And what we're doing now is we're figuring out a way of pulling all these data from our database and grouping it into buckets and saying like, well, we 25% of our users, let's say this is a totally made up example, 25% of our users, let's say, are uninstalling our plugin after, I don't know, one month. And the other 75% are uninstalling after 180 days and this is super interesting like we could focus in on those 25 percent and figure out what exactly they're missing from the plugin and why they're uninstalling i'm gonna backtrack a a second here and go with a little history Uh, when we entered the image gallery space i i think we we didn't know exactly what we're going getting into not on the technical side necessarily but fighting the legacy of the bigger Players in the space such as Envira and NextGen, who have been in this space, I think NextGen is ten years by uh, right now. It's like the de facto solution for image galleries. When you think of image galleries, most people say, "Okay, NextGen. I'm going to use NextGen, uh, even if it's not the most, not the." Not necessarily the most up to date and necessarily with the best user experience. They they still have to carry all that technical debt they've accumulated in the, those ten years. So it's 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 hard for them to move as quickly as we can move with modular. And this is a huge advantage we have. But without data and without figuring out what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong, it's impossible for us to fight in this space. It's it's not gonna be. For them, it's even harder, right? Because they're they're going through a bunch of transitions, right? They have to catch up and bring their products into today's space, which we have now. We have Gutenberg. They they've been building an infrastructure behind shortcuts, which was pretty much basically wiped out overnight when Gutenberg launched. Gutenberg launched. Most people were, well, ah, I'm still going to use shortcuts. One year forward, everyone's like, what the heck are shortcuts? I don't even know what those are. I use Gutenberg or Elementor or any other page builder, right? So the market space is moving so much faster than it used to do, and if you're not thinking ahead, if you're not building on, you're not technically building on programming languages that are kind of aligned with what WordPress is doing. So, for example, React or any other JavaScript framework you want to use, you're gonna be in a tough spot going forward because you're gonna to have to figure out a way on your own to adapt your solution to whatever WordPress decided to use. And this is one of the bigger reasons why we also use, uh, we mostly use core WordPress UI components to build our UI. You see a lot of plugins with custom UIs, reinventing the wheel. And every time you go into those plugins, it's super confusing, right? I've been doing this for 10 years. I've looked at plugins that I frustratingly uninstalled in 15 minutes because I couldn't figure it out for my life. I went reading docs, I went looking at videos, and I always go like, "Hmm, why would you put a setting there? I mean, why would you hide it there? And why do I have to click this to be able to use this other setting here? And, yeah, I think it all boils down to if you're not aligning yourself as much as possible with what WordPress is doing, you're not going to be able to move in an agile way. You're not going to be competitive in this space because it's not only features, it's also the speed with with uh, how fast you can move and deliver updates, bug fixes, and new features.
0: I think we saw this main difference between WPRSS aggregator and Spotlight, especially with the user interface where we pushed a lot on spotlight to to get it to be very intuitive, super beginner friendly. you can just go in and you know you don't even have to think about it. So th- there's a the yeah, best there's UI a skill and... behind it yeah
1: yeah this is the first UI.
2: Spotlight was, was a big learning curve for us because aggregator was sort of established and there's a certain way to use it, which is a bit more technical that might shift in the near future, but spotlight over the past year has been very much a big learning experience for us. And especially in this ties to the analytics side of it, uh, figuring out what the user wants to, to achieve and giving it to him as quickly as possible. So if they want to see an Instagram feed and they want to see a gallery, you show it to them right away. They don't have to go through five minutes of setup and settings and uploading and so on. So actually something we're doing with Spotlight, which is releasing next week, so it'll be out by the time we we release this podcast anyway, uh, we're putting in pre-made templates. Where literally the onboarding experience is as soon as you install Spotlight, the first thing you do is pick a template. With that template, it takes you directly to the editor and the editor does a a mock Instagram feed preview. And then I just connect your account and it replaces the mock preview and it's all done for you. I think similarly to, to sort of the gallery side of things, where you analyze how people are using the plugin what what they want giving it to them as quickly as possible once you have those you've tied them in and then you can expand from there
0: whatever way you want yeah i think you're eliminating sort of decision fatigue as well for those who just want to go in and do a quick feed
1: Uh, you've actually zeroed in on why we we use we're getting that data and what we want to do with Mm -hmm. it so for anyone listening to this and getting started with plugin development, um, you mentioned at some point, Mark, that figuring out the balance between free and paid options is kind of a difficult act to balance because you never know where to go the line and say, well, this is going to be free and this is going to be paid. Here's another way of looking at it. So you can offer for free most of the stuff, but have one-click solutions on the paid version so you can still do it for free but you have to go in and click all those things and do it manually so most people actually want to buy convenience it boils down to what people usually buy they want to either make more money so they're buying solutions that helps them make more money or save time which is in essence the same thing they're saving money right so if you can help people save time with pre-made templates pre-made whatever layouts whatever you want to call them I think that's 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 a good way to differentiate your uh, pro version from the live version and say, well, you can do everything you want in the live version, but you have to go in and click all these things manually. And every time you want to build something new, you have to click and start from the uh, beginning. That's probably, I'll complain about that. You can still do whatever you want. But with the paid version, you can save so much more time by using our pre-made templates. And that's always, it's, it's a busy, we, we live in a, super fast world today i i personally even get frustrated at some time at, at some at times because it takes so much so much effort to get things done i mean i have to click so many things to get there i i, I look at it i know the, what the process is going to be and that gladly pay just to have a, a shorter process to have a pro version that i could buy to do that faster but it's not always available And I think this is, this is where we're moving with uh, a lot of stuff into the convenience space where people just want to get it faster than. And that's what we're probably going to be doing with modules. Well, that's why we're getting, gathering all this data to be able to offer an onboarding wizard. And it's probably even more obvious with our uh, testimonials plugin, which is a rich product that's kind of shifting right now. It's going to go, we're going into video testimonials which I think are actually winning over text testimonies, which was the classical uh, way of submitting testimonies and video testimonies are pretty much, I'm lacking the word, are, are converting users way more, are more convincing. and landing page of text, right? Text is easily, is easy to manipulate and write whatever you want there. Right. And videos are a lot harder to do and they, y- you can talk, way more in 30 seconds than you can write in 30 seconds or read in 30 seconds. It's just a more human way of connecting, right? We're all going into this feeling. We all need this feeling of community and feeling that people understand our needs, our problems, right? And when I watch a video, a testimony video, and that guy or girl, doesn't matter, speaks to me, to my problems, I, I usually go, okay, take my money, I don't even want to read going for the, this is what I want. This is the solution I want. And this is, this is something that anyone could use, figure out the user's problems and use their own language to write your landing page copy. This is like the most powerful thing you can do. And it's the easiest way to do it. Use their language to write your copy.
2: And this again ties in with the analytics side of things. So the analytics isn't just, Looking at how people are using your plugin and and what features they're using, and so on, it's even saying how they talk about it. So even Mm -hmm. when they reach out on support, how are they referring to certain feature? How are they referring to uh, a certain aspect of of what your plugin can do or what your team can do? That that's going to tell you who you're targeting, and it's going to fine tune your your user personas a lot more than what you would have done, for example, before you launched.
1: Yeah. So since you touched touched on user personas, here's another question. Uh, I have a lot of questions and a lot of ideas, so please stop me at some point if I ask too many questions. <laughs> how do you define your user personas? Do you have like a workflow of this? Um, do you use any specialized tools? What have you found from digging into user personas? How, how has it shaped your uh, positioning?
2: So we took it a bit more seriously with Spotlight before, before we launched. While we were doing the research beforehand, we were looking into the existing competition on WordPress, we were looking into existing competition in SaaS. And we were looking at, in our case, Instagram users in general. So saying who are the typical Instagram users. There's the person using it personally, for example, the personal blog, food blog, or whatever it is. There's the small businesses who sort of have their galleries basically on Instagram. Then there's e-commerce stores. I mentioned earlier the link and bio solutions that people tend to tend to pay for in, in SaaS services. Uh, and we started analyzing basically who's using it for different for different reasons. From there, we broke it down a bit further. So I, I actually created around 10 or 15 very simple user personas and then narrowed it down to three main ones. So I sort of broke them down into into the three different areas. And that's where we essentially developed the profile so there's a lot of if you google this you'll find a bunch of different examples and sort of questions to ask yourself on what that person does and doesn't do and what they want to achieve uh, what problems they have and we figured out who our main user personas are going to be for spotlight both at launch and one two years in when we're adding a number of other features because that helped us essentially develop a long-term roadmap from day one before we even started developing the plugin
1: yeah yeah that's amazing
2: obviously that changes over time so you, you can't necessarily stick exactly to what you did 12 months ago today so you need to, to alter it and, and see how the users are, are reacting to it
1: I think markets are also changing super fast today so for example since you've built uh, a product on top of an existing community so you've built a product for Instagram which is its own community because users are they're, they're handling user acquisition you just built a solution for those people who also have a website on wordpress as quickly as instagram moves i think you have to you're or at least you're going to be conditioned sometimes to move as as quickly as instagram does so if they add a new feature and you're kind of you kind of want to stay ahead of your competition you're going to have to do the same and quickly move and implement that feature anytime they change something you have to be super responsive to that and I think that has its own set of challenges when you go after an exist when you build a solution on top of an existing platform.
2: Yeah, that, that that's a risk we took. So you don't, essentially don't own the platform you're building on. So yeah, you're very much tied to whatever they do. There was one recently, a couple of months ago, where they added IGTV support to the Instagram API. It's something you need to add instantly because people are requesting it before. You have to explain that it's not possible because of Instagram's limitations. But once it's available, it needs to be out there. So yeah, you have to constantly adapt and that's why the user persona and the roadmap, it can't be fixed long term, in my opinion, at least. You have to be able to adapt, move things around, shift priorities, and see exactly what you can benefit from the most at that particular time. So right now, the link and bio stuff is being mentioned by a number of different people, even within the WordPress world. People building a ton of landing page solutions in WordPress, basically have a self-hosted version of it rather than using a hosted third-party service. So we start to look at how Spotlight can, can fit into that area. And we basically start speaking to as many people as possible. So that's where the community aspect comes full circle here, comes into play, because you have to be able to reach out to these other plugin owners, team owners, uh, hosting companies, see exactly what they're, what they're doing, what they're after, and either collaborate in some way or get feedback in some way, and try to tie in your use case with their use case, and essentially that's going to help the WordPress users in general, and it's going to help you to grow faster a lot, uh, a lot quicker, because you're able to adapt according to what the the market is telling you.
1: But this also adds sort of an overhead, right, to the entire development process.
2: Yeah, it it does get tricky. Um, so you would have something planned, and then you have to change the way you're approaching it, or even changes to the UI. So yeah, there. There's that aspect to it. But I think if you look long term again, it's going to be beneficial to you. Yeah. Yeah. But just think short term.
1: I think Instagram in general is some other platforms as well. Uh, Pinterest, for example, is one that comes to mind. Are moving, are maturing, are, are are going beyond just being a place you can browse images and pick some ideas, right? They're, t- they're heading more into the e-commerce space and allowing creators uh, and influencers, but well, people who have a big follower on uh, platforms to monetize their followers by integrating with e-commerce solutions so i know for a fact pinterest is partnering with shopify and i think instagram has has some sort of plans like this as well and in,
2: ter- in terms of e-commerce yeah in terms of e-commerce yeah they have uh, you can and much of the shop is open to everyone at this point uh, that you can shop on Instagram. I think it's limited, but they're working on a lot of different features, even just product tagging, for example, to show you even related products within Instagram itself. So there's a lot of a lot going on. At
0: We've actually taken this and applied it to Spotlight as well. So this whole concept has been translated into having Spotlight integrate well with WooCommerce, for example.
1: In the e-commerce space, especially for individuals right I'm not talking about e-commerce space for big brand companies such as you know uh, apple it's going to be shifting soon and it's growing a lot a lot of people uh, during the pandemic figured out a way to make money online and most of them figured they, they had maybe mostly two things to sell their services it's their time or products they can either source the products or they can build them themselves and a lot of A lot of today, what's happening is more more and more people are building their own products. They're building all sorts of digital products. It's eBooks, it's courses, it's music, it's whatever you want, people are building it. And to me, it feels like, well, not the beginning, but it's it's a movement that's gaining uh, more and more adoption. We're still in the early days of this, it's still a huge market, but I think it's only getting started right now and it's going to get so much bigger uh, than there is so aligning oh, Instagram uh, your plugin, sorry, with e-commerce I think is the smartest possible move the reason why I didn't know Instagram already has a shop feature is because I don't use any of those social networks and I, I personally feel too old for them I don't know I think yeah I just feel old in this in this aspect uh, I'm not that old but I I, I don't have time for all the social media uh, apps right i don't even have an instagram account i, I never go on instagram i've never seen it uh, my wife uses it i don't know how what it exactly does i know it's a bunch of pictures there and people like pictures and tag them but that, that's the most i know about uh, instagram in general
2: i think this this size is sort of it's for anyone listening because maybe starting a new product thinking of starting a new product aside from analyzing the market and, and seeing what's happening a lot of the stuff like you're mentioning is new so the Markets are shifting the ideas of how to do business online, how products are built and so on. Everything's sort of shifting in different directions. But I think one of the most important things is that when you look into a new feature idea to meet a specific need or to answer a specific problem, uh, you need to test the waters in some way. So I think you mentioned earlier starting a new plugin versus acquiring. Sort of Two months of full-time development versus just spending the money to acquire. Likewise, when you're creating a new feature or possibly inventing the wheel, reinventing the wheel in some areas. Uh, and let's do what's with a the basic version of that feature, So an MVP for it, before going all in. Because it's going to give you a lot more feedback on how to develop it long-term. You, if you start something now and then you, let's say making an, an Instagram feed shoppable, for example, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Everyone's going to have different ideas of how they want it to work. And you have your own idea if you just stick to your idea, it's not going to work with the majority of the users in most cases unless you get lucky. So putting it out there, just getting feedback and letting it grow somewhat organically over time, it's going to give you a lot more value long-term and it's going to give your users a lot more value long-term because they're going to eventually get what they need, not necessarily what they think they want at this point, but it's what they actually need to make it as simple as possible. Like I mentioned earlier, I was looking for convenience now. So it's not just a case of Offering a feature, it's offering a feature that will take them a few seconds to set up, or is completely automated. So we're moving more towards that direction.
1: I think we're seeing more and more SaaS-like components moving into the WordPress space. I think we're witnessing hybrid space right now, where users want the automation and ease of use and convenience of SaaS platforms, but on WordPress, and but they don't want to. So they don't necessarily, they want to have everything inside of WordPress, so that's why we see uh, plugins that pull in your analytics data and show them in your dashboard, or why we have newsletter, newsletter plugins, which live inside your WordPress backend, because most people use WordPress as, again, Matt put it as their operating system. And with any operating system, if you want to look at your computer, you have all these apps installed and you want to use them there. Because you don't care with what they're going to interact in the cloud it's this api and this and this other api users don't care about that and while we're on the subject of testing ideas i think right now there's a super hot space and a lot of opportunity to simply bring uh, solutions which are popular as SaaS solutions onto the wordpress space right it's it's uh, for one man army one man Development team, it's super easy right now to figure out a few concepts you can simply copy to get started. You can copy them feature for feature and still could make a lot of money because as I mentioned, people are looking for solutions that live inside their WordPress site. They don't necessarily want to hand over control or feel like they should be paying on a monthly basis, which is pricing is another whole story for the WordPress space because, yeah, even moving to the subscription model on a per-year basis is, for some users in the WordPress space, is unconceivable, even though if they go to compare uh, any solution with um, a SaaS offering which usually charges per month they're like oh yeah take my money it's no problem yeah i can understand you have server costs you have this and this yep. but when it comes to wordpress plugins everyone goes oh heck no i'm not gonna pay you on a yearly basis for uh, a gathered plugin why would i pay that much and you start start, start selling them on well you have image optimization you have cdn we release a bunch of features we have new extensions you get all of this plus support plus And they're like, yeah, I'm still not convinced. I mean, we used to be paying one time for WordPress plugins, and now you're asking me to pay every year. It kind doesn't kind doesn't really make sense to me. And we're still finding an uphill battle in this in this uh, area. I think a lot of people are super reluctant to have subscriptions active. To them, it feels like a plugin should be a one and done business type of type of thing. And hopefully, with as many more bigger companies are moving into the service space and everyone's moving to the subscription model, hopefully this becomes more suitable for users as well. I'm hoping that this bigger movement is going to influence this more once so it becomes more natural to people to have an active subscription.
2: Yeah, I think it's, it is becoming a bit more normalized now to, to, to be with that model. Uh, a few years ago it wasn't, so there was a period where everyone started switching over to the automatic renewals as well and that's, I think it helps the businesses a lot. So it's the reason most of these WordPress plugins that are doing well are going to be able to be maintained for the next five, 10 years, because you have this recurring revenue coming in to support you. But even tying into what you mentioned earlier on on looking at SaaS services and seeing what they're offering and tying those into WordPress, a very good example of seeing a lot on Twitter recently is newsletter glue.
1: Yeah, I know you were going to mention that.
2: Yeah, I mean, even yesterday, I think I was saying on Twitter, someone mentioned a particular feature and they they asked her to put it in the newsletter loop. And she hadn't thought about that as being a feature that they would want within that plugin. But like you're saying, they want everything in WordPress. The user wants everything in WordPress. I want everything in a single solution, not having to install multiple plugins or having to use a forms plugin. For example, I think it was to collect email addresses, something like that. It's not the intended use for it. But if it's an email plugin, but it can do this it. Is, yeah, yeah, it's an integration with Mailchimp. And all you have to just put a pop up, for example, then yeah, it's all tied into one.
1: It's going to it's going to. So this is actually a problem we've seen with the, with the space. And it's probably one of the mistakes we've made us are our, ourselves as well with modular. So modular right now, I think I had someone count the total options we offer in modular and it's about at. Uh, more than 200 options, which is insane—that insanely, an insanely big amount of options. Users love it because they have almost—they have control of almost everything. But the development process and ensuring backwards compatibility every time you change something is made very difficult because of all these decisions. So, what I would like to add is there's a user asking for a feature that kind of makes sense. But try to see if you're not uh, moving away from your core offering and core value. The more options you add, you're going to be polluting your plugin and diluting your uh, core value proposition. You're going to say, well, we do emails, but then we do feedback forms and email collection forms. And then we maybe do follow-up emails because, well, it's emails, right? This is what we do. That's not what you do. You only do newsletters from WordPress on top of MailChimp or whatever API is in the backend to handle the sending of those emails, right? It kind of feels like it makes sense, but in my opinion, and after the experience with, as mentioned, with modular 200 plus options, I would never add this feature to the product, I would just spin off a new product that works together with this product, but is a product in itself, as long as I can look at it and see, well, it's this guy on Twitter, but there's a bunch of other guys on over on this forum are complaining about this exact same problem and there's no solution for them. And so my new product would open up a new space entirely, a new market. And then yeah. I go, yeah, let's build a new product. That, that makes sense.
2: I think we're, we're saying that a lot as well lately, and it's being discussed a lot as well within the workspace space, the idea of niching down, of going, finding a niche within a niche and just addressing that specific use case and not trying to do sort of what multipurpose teams do. Where you're doing everything within one
1: by the way what's your thought on multi-purpose themes in gutenberg
2: uh separately or combined
1: um, combined yeah I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on uh where do you think the wordpress theme space is going
2: so i'm not as involved in themes as i am in plugins obviously when i get multi-purpose themes. i think there's still a use case for them agencies and so on that, that develop different kinds of sites i've seen a number of them even locally use them to simplify their process, basically, so they can address multiple use cases, multiple projects with the same team. So they sort of learn around that. Going forward, I don't know if they have a future just because of foresight editing, but I think it's a bit further down the line. I don't think 1st editing is going to be ready to address an entire market right now. So similar to how Gutenberg was, where it took a year or two sort of to, to get established. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that there's some time left. Uh, but hopefully, yeah, this, I think it's a, a stage where it's capable of handling all these things, block patterns and so on. It will simplify the process. And similar to what you're saying, rather than offering 200 options, you offer a single set of options, sort of pre-made stuff or, or stuff that you take decisions on as a developer based on user feedback. Give that to the user. If they want to customize it, maybe give them that option still, but at first at least, simplify the process where it's not you have to go and look at 200 options and set all those up you have two options a or b select which one then if you want to customize it go ahead and do that yes
1: you're pretty much um, offering them the option of having like a wizard or manually configuring it which yeah. the manual process obviously going to be more involved i think i think uh, what we're picking up on is that as many more, so the space has been getting more crowded, more and more crowded, obviously, because WordPress is growing. There's a lot more money in the space, more users, more money, right? The math is simple. Um, the more crowded it gets, the harder it is for people to, to for smaller themes, more teams to compete in the space. And I think that's where the niching down actually makes sense. So, for example, WP Rocket, which was recently acquired by a hosting company, um, is not... It's not a simple plugin. It has a lot of options as well, but it makes sense to have all those options. And it's like it's like a toolkit. It has all the possible settings you would want that also tackles a lot of use cases, potentially use cases in the speed optimization space and allows you to, well, make your site faster, right? And uh, if you're going to be niching down and you don't have complementary solutions right you're going to have well i have mark's plugin who does which does image optimization and i have christian's plugin which does css and JS minification and i have to stitch this together and make sure they work this is another huge problem in this space because a lot of times and we see this a lot with our support as well we have this he said she said type of issue where a user comes to us with a problem and we go like well we try to fix it but the theme or plugin you're using is breaking all the possible rules and we don't have access to that plugin to fix it ourselves and you have to go reach out to them and most users do and super surprised to see this but most of the time the response is well it's not our problem we're gonna not gonna fix it it's how it works and we'll just call it a day and then we end up a lot of times we end up reinventing a way a solution just for this particular user because we don't want to leave them hanging, right? And you're gonna be niching down. You do you don't have a plan or at least you're not piggybacking off of more popular solutions. And pretty much like you did with Spotlight WP, where we, you're moving as along with instagram right uh, anytime they add new features you're going to be also implementing them if you're not doing this then stitching things together to make make it work is going to be always a frustrating problem to have on on paper multiple small niched down plugins make sense as long as they cover the entire use case right anytime you step out of that use case and go well now i need file minif- minification right and this plugin doesn't do it which other plugin works perfectly with this one is lightweight and does what i need and that's when you're gonna have another big problem
2: it's, it's a difficult balance to to reach uh, it's a difficult balance, balance to understand when to split features into multiple niches uh, plugins versus putting them into one and understanding how they work together potentially there's opportunity there for someone to find a particular niche Go even deeper into it and sort of niche out from that even further and then tie those together as multiple solutions that one shop or one developer would offer and set. Caching is one of them, potentially. Um, WP Rockets is huge, obviously, at this point. Yeah. But I think in other niches, there's a lot of opportunity still so within the WordPress space. I think we're still actually at an early stage, I think, in the WordPress industry uh, in terms of the potential growth, especially for plugins uh, and anything tied to blocks in the coming months and years so it'll be interesting to see how things develop soon.
1: i think the wordpress space is maturing as well it started off as well not a hobby but something that people did out of passion they could tinker with it and pick under the hood and see the code but as the market is growing bigger and bigger and more users are coming into wordpress they've had previous experiences with SaaS solutions or they other platforms and any other tools they've used in the past and they expect the same thing from the wordpress space and their, their needs are uh, going to be filled by, are easier going to be filled by bigger shops who have bigger teams, can invest more into marketing, can invest more into product development. And I think this is where you're right, where the idea of niching down has to come in, as long as you figure out a smaller space on top of something that's bigger that doesn't want to cover that space. There's always going to be a space left uh, down market for uh, solutions. Uh, Anytime there's a big team behind a product, they're, they, they, they don't want to move down market because there's not enough money for them there to actually be worth it. And that's where solo dev teams can step in and niche down and, and fix that. But my thoughts are that you're going to have to niche down and piggyback up, piggyback on existing solutions. So you can enjoy that community. For example, this is what WP has been doing. They used WooCommerce as a platform and built solutions for that platform right solutions that no one else was building or no one was was building as good as iconic did and this is what helps them the most
2: and i think uh, no matter what you're going to niche into there's going to be competition i think given the size of wordpress it's it's not a bad thing so there needs to be competition and you still have a big share of the market that you can reach and, and grow your business off of
1: and a growing share, can constantly growing okay. share, right? Because WordPress exactly. has grown tremendously in the past even two years if you look at it. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yep. Agreed. I think this is a nice time to sort of wrap things up because we're reaching our one hour sure. limit. No, it's been it's been great speaking with you, Christian and obviously Mark. We've looked into plugin development, plugin acquisition. Um, it's been really eye-opening and I think it would be very interesting and for our listeners and hopefully it will fuel some more ideas for them so thank you for joining us if you have anything else you want to add
1: no I've, I've talked enough I, I usually talk too much I could talk about <laughs> WordPress all day so uh, I've talked enough of today.
0: Uh, where can our listeners maybe reach you? Do you have Twitter? I have a Twitter account
1: it's uh, Christian Raber, which is my, my last name but I think even Googling my name, they can easily find me. Or if, if not, I think we should be getting uh, a Twitter intru- handle, right? Just one that's easier to pronounce.
2: Okay. We'll put it in the, in the show notes. And yeah, uh, we can. The, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So All I'm right. going to type it here.
2: All right. Uh, yeah, from my end, thank you for, uh, for joining us on the call. Thank you, Gabby, for having me as well discussing this and hopefully we can continue the discussion with Christian even with Ian and we expand a bit more on on the different topics we covered today.
1: Yeah you can bet bet I'm gonna follow up on that, I have a lot of questions still (laughs) hanging. I look forward to it. Okay talk soon, thank you for everything, bye bye. Thank
0: you Christian, thank Thank you you, Gabby.